This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who went and re-watched all of Vox Machina over the last two days just to find the actor of Bayek. Oh, really? <laughs> I need to rewatch it now that I know that fun fact from last week. Mm-hmm. And I'm Vervada, the girl who I guess has my weekend binge watch already scheduled out now. And if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler free, then this is not the podcast for you. So, here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. Oh, but also, I haven't watched the new season of The Witcher yet. I was too busy watching Fox Machina instead. So, that, my lovelies, will stay spoiler-free tonight. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question. But we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. So much context. <laughs> and today, we are back on the path. The path that leads us up the river Pontar to the borderlands of the kingdoms of Tamaria, Kedwin, and Edern? Edern? Don't really Edern. know how to say that. <laughs> Edern? Okay. There's so many words in this franchise. <laughs> Geralt of Rivia has to choose. Does he support Yorveth, the human-hating elf who leads the Scoia'tael? And Vernon Roche, the commander of the Temerian Special Forces called the Blue Stripes. Who does he support? But we don't have to decide that here on this show. That's for you to play through on your own. We have to decide which one of the many women Geralt gets to bang. He unfortunately doesn't have 19 options like he did in the first game, but he does have some choice. Today, we are talking mainly about his romance, quote unquote, <laughs> with Triss Marigold. An optional lamppost licking with Vess, the succubus, model, Cynthia, and prostitutes in two different brothels in The Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings. Please, Geralt, don't get me involved in another messy monster matter. I'm an artist, not... That's precisely who I need to lure a succubus. Are you crazy? You want to see a hoofed hag ride me to death? On the other hand, we all have to die of something. So, quick backstory for you all to either refresh your memories since you last played or to fill you in if you never did. The Witcher 2 starts shortly after the events of the first game, and Geralt has essentially been drafted as Tamaria's King Voltist's personal bodyguard. The king is currently at war with troops loyal to his mistress. Baroness Mary Louisa Lavalette. And the game opens with Geralt in chains in the Lavalette dungeon. We start off with the kink play tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we ignore, like, the many wounds on his back from being tortured, I guess that's someone's kink. But at some point in the dungeons, Geralt is dragged out for an interrogation by Vernon Roche. And it's here that we learn he's been accused of killing King Foltest. Whoopsie. Well, he didn't do it, of course. But Geralt has to prove his innocence. The prologue finishes out with a good old-fashioned storm the castle of the Baroness's son, and Geralt's subsequent escape from the dungeons, later meeting up with Roche and Triss. They then head to Flotsam, the border town and last known location of Yorvith and his squirrel commandos. Geralt then finds his besties, Dandelion and Zoltan, about to be hanged in Flotsam and negotiates their release. Can't very well toss coins to your witcher without the bard to remind people with his catchy song. 
Then there is some monster hunting. Triss getting herself kidnapped. And this is where the plot decisions between supporting Roche and Yorvith comes into play. You can't have all the sexual encounters possible in one playthrough, as sex with Vess can only happen on Roche's path, and sex with Cynthia, Model, and the Succubus are only possible on Yorvith's path. I get his name wrong every time. Even when I'm like playing through it, I never remember how to pronounce it. In my head, I'm like Eorveth. <laughs> right? It looks, like I, it looks like Ivoreth. Like Ivoreth yeah. is what I have in my head. Yeah. What is it supposed to be? I heard Geralt say Yorveth like many times during these clips. So it's Yorveth. So it's a like J, a y. not an I. Got it. Mm-hmm. So back to sexy times. Sex with Triss can happen either way, no matter what path you choose, because if we know one thing, it's that Triss cannot and will not stop being obsessed with Geralt. So you choose which path to follow, and Geralt finds himself in, what was this? Edern? Adern. Adern. <laughs> finds himself in Adern just in time for a battle. Isn't that just his luck? Depending on his alliance, he will either be based in the dwarven city of Vergen, or in Kedwin's King Henselt's army camp of invaders. Geralt meets yet another sorceress, Philippa Aylhart? Aylhart? <laughs> These names. Oh, I'm sorry. I, um, I, I'm just disclaimer. I did not play this game. I've only played the Wild Hunt, so I'm sorry. Um, or, um, Geralt either meets Philippa or a sorcerer named Death Mold, which is a great band name, by the way. Honestly, Geralt should just stay away from sorceresses. Just foreshadowing. He also has to lift a curse. I mean, no one said the life of a witcher was boring. Okay, so it is Philippa Isleheart, and they go to the city of Cadwin. Or Kaidwin. Kaidwin. I did play is this it Kaidwin? It's Kaidwin. How is it that when they say Kedweni? Or do they say Kaidweni? It's still, no, it's Kaidwin, but Kedweni. Okay, you know what? As a former linguist, I hate this. As a, a Polish writer who then got his stuff translated into English? I don't know. My Polish ancestors are crying at me right now. I present Le Shrug. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Geralt picks up the trail to Triss, but must continue his journey to Loch Muin where she is being held prisoner by the Nilfgaardians. Oh yeah, Loch Muin. That's another one. Why, you ask? We shall get to that. Heading into the final chapter of the game, if you've followed Yorveh, you must decide whether to save Triss from the Nilfgaardians or save Philippa from the Redanians. If you followed Roche, you must choose between saving Triss or saving Anais Lavalette from the Cadwinians. Geralt also must decide whether to kill a dragon or not. Like we said, Witcher Life, it ain't boring. The game closes out with a final choice. Do you kill Letho, the actual Kingslayer, or not? The choice is completely up to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the end of our contextual refresher for this game. But um, we haven't refreshed Geralt's memories, however, as he is still suffering from the amnesia he was plagued with throughout the first game. And this is important context, too, for one of his romances. If you know anything, even the smallest bit of lore from the Witcher series, then you know that this world is often fraught with political intrigue, war, and untold levels of destruction, pain, and violence. I certainly wouldn't want to live on the continent and the place doesn't even have a canon map, so I don't even know where everything is. That's a whole nother thing. It's complicated. You know what's way less complicated? Who you should romance in The Witcher. Not Triss. The end. End of the show. Just kidding. Okay, we'll get into why I'm anti-Triss soon enough, before all the Triss people come for me, I'm sorry. But first, let's plow our way through the other optional romances in this game. So, Jen, take us away. One, there is a map. Two, you can't say that we're going to plow our way through these girls. 
We're plowing our way through. And I swear to God, I have seen an interview with the author. And he was like, every time someone creates a map, he's like, close enough, but I'm constantly changing the world. So like, there technically is not a canon map if you look it up. I mean, I looked it up. I tried. I saw a map, but it's people's best guesses. It is not for sure. Okay. I don't know. A map of the world in comparison of map to the continent. I think that those are different things because there's definitely a map of the continent. Well, because, yeah, we understand, like, who the northern kingdoms are and, like, where Skellige is and where Nilfgaard is in relation to the other places. That's, like, a beef I have with the Witcher in general, which is not necessarily, like, a bad thing. It's just for me, I never feel oriented at all. They kind of just, like, plop you in the middle of all this shit and there's no, like, exposition to tell you who anyone is, why you should care. Like, you kind of just have to pick it up as you go. And it's just different. Like, for me, when I think of, when I think of, like, Thetis in Dragon Age, I know where all the countries are. I know vaguely, like, their political histories, who's allied with who, the culture of each country, etc. Because Dragon Age does a really good job in the game of, like, of doing exposition, of, like, telling you about the world without, like, physically... I mean, you can just read like a whole world of Thetis book. But like in the game, I mean, they don't hand you all those facts. Whereas The Witcher, I feel like just never got the hang of that as well. Like you can find out, but you have to go and do your own research without like just naturally understanding through storytelling. I'm going off on a tangent. We promised we wouldn't do this. I'm sorry. I'm just, this could just be my thing. I don't know. I did see other people saying that on the internet. So I know I'm not the only one, but I will say that like I have played, I didn't play the first two games. But I have watched and read all the summaries, and I did play the Wild Hunt many times, and I still feel like I do not understand what's going on in The Witcher. <laughs> Unlike other games that I have played even less than Wild Hunt. Okay. As somebody who has read all the books and also played all three games, I know where I'm at. I understand That's what's right. going on. I haven't read all the books. I, I get it. I get it. You can get it. I, I read it. I saw it. I still don't know. It's fine. I'll plug the other shows then. Beast Mode. <laughs> Go listen to the Witcher Lorecast. Learn a fuck ton yeah. about Witcher. <laughs> See, this is why I need that. This is why everyone needs that. Because I'm sure I'm not the only one who's confused. Listen to the Witcher Lorecast. No, and like, honestly, it helped a lot. Like, even under- like, it helped me to understand and click together a whole bunch of little things that I didn't know were actually like fully all intertwined and everything. Um, so, yes, highly suggest. But your tangent was right before my sexy time. So I'm going to get into it because I will plow through all these bitches because they had fun. Oh, my God. Okay. All of the quote, quote, minor sex scenes in this game are pretty much identical body swaps, which is fine with me. Like if you go to a prostitute, Geralt is having the same type of sex with all the different women. And also, I think they kind of stole that from the clips with Vess and possibly with Triss as well. But this game is pretty old. And what makes that difficult is that what I'm watching now, 10 years later on YouTube, most likely has been modded, has been altered, and has been edited in some form. So what I'm watching might not actually be what was original game level canon. But here we go. This lovely little clip is your night with Vess. I'm curious. According to Geralt of Rivia, what is Vess like? She's ambitious, honorable, and beautiful. In that order? What if I say the reverse? If you think I don't like to hear compliments about my beauty, you're very wrong. I'm a soldier, and it pisses me off when I'm viewed as a pair of tits atop an arse. But I'm also a woman, and like every woman, I have my needs. In that case, let's drink to your needs. I fulfill my needs differently. Then what do you want to drink to? To us. I didn't know there was an us. Better to live a day as a king than a life as a beggar. First we'll drink the wine, then we'll go to bed. Can we do it the other way around? Mm-hmm. They don't, in fact, do it the other way around. They have the wine first, 
out of ale mugs, which is just a whole thing that I will not tangent on. After the wine, they go to bed. And honestly, I'm impressed with the sex. It's not a very long scene, but we get three position changes. Are you kidding me? From behind, she's on top, and then... Wow, my poor G-Baby has so many scars on his body. But some women find scars attractive, so it's all good. And because, again, this game is older, and I can't fully trust what is on YouTube as unedited content, but I saw women with tan lines and different body shapes. I am quite impressed with the diversity. Not so much of the skin tone diversity, but body types are nice to see. And beautiful nipples. Like somebody spent a lot of time making them look pretty. There were pink ones, there were brown ones, there were rosy ones, there were little tiny ones and quite bigger ones. Beautiful titties. <laughs> Another con I have about the scenes is that while there is a lot of Mm. Ah. There were no man noises. Like, Geralt has some really good fight grunts. Let me hear them when he's taking a different pound of flesh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to say that I'm not surprised that they spent so long animating boobies because, one, they did it in the first game, too. Like, Triss's boobs practically moved on their own accord. And two, she appeared, Tristed, on the cover, I don't know actually if it was the cover, it might have been, of a Playboy, the Polish version, when this game came out. So, of course, they're going to mod all of the titties so beautifully, because she was the little sex kitten of the game. Like, she was hugely marketed that way. She is gorgeous, and props yeah. to, like, yeah. Oh, there's a calendar, too, apparently. I need... <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, but before we talk more about Trish and all her bullshit, let's take a mid-break to listen to the sponsors of the show, hear some more fun facts, and thank the lovely patrons. Oh, okay. I'm going to listen to some dandelion music and maybe... Oh gosh, her name is uh, P. It starts with a P, doesn't it? Uh, Dandelion's girlfriend's name, Priscilla. 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 Yeah. So Dandelion and Priscilla are dancing us into our mid-break. In the Australian version of The Witcher Two, the sex scenes with the succubus and model are completely edited out of the game. Geralt will automatically decline the invitations because of censorship. The programming from the encounters is still in the game's code, and it can be restored with a fan-made patch. Australia doesn't believe in CGI sexy time, I guess. So disappointing. Why else are we playing this game? <sighs> Geralt of Rivia might sound the same from the first game, and you'd be right. It's still Doug Cockle, love his last name, doing his voice for the English version. But do you know who sounded super different to me when I first did the research for this episode? Triss, because um, they recast her for the second and third games. She was voiced by Jules de Jong in the first game, but by Jamie Barbacoff in the second and third games. Jamie Barbacoff can also be seen in the show Hijack, airing right now on Apple TV+, Plus, which is super interesting that I happen to be watching this show when we're talking about this game. It's a great show because Idris Elba, he's in it. Oh my gosh, only two more months until Phantom Liberty. Aww, more Idris Elba content. Quite frankly, can never have enough. No, September, two months. Yeah. All right. As for Spotify... So thank you, thank you, thank you very much. We are up to 136 ratings on Spotify. I would love to see 150 by what? By the time Phantom Liberty drops, because, you know. Yeah, my birthday's in September. Why yes, not? by V's birthday, I want to see 150. It'd be amazing. 
And of course, we thank all of the patrons, Toasty, Napalo, Becky and Bat Knight, Cloudy and Wynn, Miss Theos and the Cups, Lizzie and Muffiny Cake. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always and forever. Okay, Jen, are you ready to take a bath with Geralt of Rivia? Absolutely. And there is the cutest little statue of Geralt in a tub with a rubber duck that I want so fucking bad. Okay, but to set the actual scene, Geralt and Triss are trapped in the ancient elven bathhouse after the floor collapses on them mid-battle. With no immediate way out, the two decide to be efficient with their newfound free time and, uh, take a bath. Looks like we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, there must be another way out of here. Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at me that way? Do I have something on my face? Uh-uh. What's going on in that head of yours, Witcher? Oh, you know. Stuff. You could use a bath. So could you. Girl, honey, I love you so much. But you are not sexy in your dialogue at all in this scene. Triss is being very coy. And then I'll... Mm-hmm. You, you hear him say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I want more out of you, but I'm aware that you are a man of very few words, so I will accept it. I do also really like the fact that this is a longer scene than usual. But it's, and their foreplay is fun and it is exciting and it's really passionate. I do really like this scene. The fact that Triss uses magic to slowly run her hands up her body, removing clothing as it goes, and it's beautiful. It is great scenery of this underground bathhouse and I'm not quite sure if the waterfall was there to begin with or if it was just the way that things collapsed but we have a gorgeous background noises of water cascading in it would be a good place to have a little bit of fun again they spent a lot of time making sure that Triss Marigold's tits looked perfect. And damn, do they look good. Okay. There's a few things that I don't like about this scene, though. One, underwater play is not fun unless you have the proper silicone lubricant. Okay? Because a water-based lubricant is just going to get absorbed by the water. And I'm sorry, our lady bits are not designed to have sex underwater because it is a drying agent for our natural lubrication. So unless Triss has a magical vagina, which is quite possible, sex in the underwater is not going to be fun. I have a question. Mm-hmm. She would be allergic to her own vagina, wouldn't she, if it was magical? So I don't think that's... I think she's just dealing with the dryness at this point. Um, okay, so maybe, like, her vagina isn't magical, but she could magically lubricate it somehow? Maybe? I guess. I thought she couldn't use magical items on herself because she's allergic to magic, even though she's magical, like she's a sorceress. That's why she could never heal her burns that she doesn't have in the game, but they she has in the books. Allegedly. But I don't know, because I don't know The Witcher that well. Uh, No. Very, very valid. And so, no, she doesn't have magic pussy. Okay. (laughs) Well, she does, but not, like, literally magical. (laughs) Apparently she does, because Geralt seems very taken. Yeah. That's not her magic. Anyways, uh, no more tangenting. I have one last bitch about this scene. 
Tris very playfully, like, as soon as Geralt sees her ass, he starts ripping off his own clothing and starts to, like, try and get into the water with her. I get it. I would follow her in there, too. But she does not allow him to take off his boots and his pants. Those are leathers. Yes, they are probably a little bit water-repelling, but do you know how hard it would be to take leather off under water? Impossible. It would be impossible. So Tricia done fucked up. He's not going to be able to get out of his pants. And his socks are probably ruined. And that makes me sad for him. I think practically it's probably just they can't show a dick in a game without it being nc-17 okay but he so. still he wears boxers and he wears undergarments as well i was like they have boxers in 1271 or two or whatever year this is supposed to i mean i don't I call know. them boxers they're not like they are. yeah <laughs> i just imagined like straight up hanes or fruit of the loom or some shit you know we're talking about having sex in the bathtub so Let's get into it. Um, Okay, for me, this scene. On the surface, I can appreciate a good only one bed at the inn trope. You know, some manufactured forced proximity to ignite the spark of what has been simmering lust and attraction up until this point. My problem is that this is Triss Marigold we're talking about. Like I said earlier... Geralt doesn't have his memories back yet. If you've listened to our episode on The Witcher 1 game, you might remember the background on Triss and Geralt's relationship. If not, well, here you go. Triss is actually obsessed with Geralt in the books, but that love is very much unrequited. Prior to the first game, Geralt and Triss have slept together before, once in the books, but Triss needed to use magic to convince him and Geralt regretted it and constantly turned her down every other time she seduced him afterward. Geralt still doesn't remember any of this at this point, though, or that he was romantically involved with Yennefer prior to losing his memory. So Geralt is consenting to this relationship with Triss with the information that he has, but my big problem with her is that she just hasn't told him of any of his lost memories. She knew him before, and she's just kind of intentionally hiding it yeah Tris also knows about Yennefer and I think that is mm-hmm. they're supposed to be best friends yeah sisters on like so many different levels <sighs> okay the first and second games idealized Tris and made her into the witcher waifu Given how many times Geralt has turned Triss down in the books, it makes sense that he did not have amnesia. He would not have romanced Triss. It is kind of icky that the foundation for that change of heart is built on Triss relying on Geralt's amnesia. Once again, Yennefer is not a companion in this game because she is too busy being captured by Nilfgaard and suffering amnesia herself. All of this amnesia is courtesy of the Wild Hunt and also CDPR's unwillingness to cheapen the plot by introducing Ciri and Yennefer to an amnesiac girl. So they waited until the third game, when he had regained his memory, to introduce them. Yeah, he does eventually get his memories back at the end of the second game, um, which is how they start laying the foundation of Geralt remembering Yennefer. Which, if you don't know who that is, that's the sorceress whose very fate is tied to his own thanks to his last wish of the djinn in this short story titled The Last Wish. Now, I'm not going to say that the two of them are destined romantically just because they're tied together like that, but it makes Triss's actions in the first two games a bit hard for me to swallow. She's supposed to be Yen's friend, like we said, like they're supposed to be best friends, and yet she is perfectly content to shag her bestie's boyfriend for upwards of a year by the time Yennefer finds her way back to Geralt. Like we said in our previous Witcher episode, it's very easy to compare Triss and Yennefer because they're the two major archetypes of female characters in fantasy. Yennefer's the confident, brave, and all-powerful sorceress to Triss's weaker magic, 
cowardice and damsel in distress bit. Like, she was in this entire game, pretty much. Yennefer's damaged but domineering, an outright rejection of the typical fantasy tropes for women when they are usually docile and weak. Tris, on the other hand, has a pretty weak sense of self, letting the other Lodge members dictate who she is and what she does. We are expected to root for Tris because she's pretty and she's nice, especially when contrasted to Yennefer. All of the sex scenes discussed in this episode are also player decisions, but it's hard to deny that the narrative isn't forcing you with Tris. Tris got the most fleshed out body and romance in both the first and the second games. The second game's prologue shows you that Geralt and Triss are still together, in her tent, clearly having had sex because Triss's body is fully on display. Uh, yeah, that one made me happy too. But due to the nature of game ratings, Geralt gets his dignity of at least like underpants. They look like these weird linen trousers wrapped in rope. And I'm like, wow, okay, y'all had like- fun last night linen capri pants <laughs> mm-hmm. but Triss's entire body can be seen like hair and everything is on display and this isn't the player choice this is established you may be able to have sex with other characters but the narrative establishes that Triss and Geralt are together it's just up to the player whether it's just casual or actual love let me finish i can only say this once if you want to go alone i'll understand and i won't try to persuade you otherwise i can't know what the future holds i don't know what else is hidden in my mind but whatever it is whatever happens i don't want to lose you i'd have to be an utter fool and complete ingrate to let you go that's kind thank you um, I just want to make it clear really fast because I'm I'm seeing stuff in the in the comments like when I'm critiquing Triss, I am not simultaneously defending Yennefer. I don't think Geralt should be with her either, but we'll get into that later. So after the sex scene in the bath, Triss and Geralt have a heart-to-heart conversation. This clip that just played is part of that conversation. If you choose actual love between the two of them, or at least the dialogue option suggesting that Geralt does love Triss, you do so without the full command of Geralt's memories, of all of his memories. Some of this conversation changes depending on who you've chosen to follow in the game, but Triss will wonder aloud about how Geralt is about to recover all his memories and it will, quote, give him a new perspective on things. Which makes me wonder, like, hmm, what things exactly, Triss? <laughs> Is it the whole time you've been kind of misleading him by omission? One of the tropes used to craft her character is literally called manipulative bitch on TV tropes. And I'm not just speaking about how she's willing to go along with Geralt's amnesia-fueled affair, because that is manipulative. But also the fact that she is a member of the Lodge, and uh, she has not made that clear to Geralt, who is currently being framed for regicide. Okay, so backstory. The Lodge is a secret organization of sorceresses led by Philippa Eilhart, whose goal was to ensure mage control of world politics, while simultaneously ending the war between Nilfgaard and the Northern Kingdoms. That doesn't sound too bad, though, does it? Unfortunately... One of their main goals has become finding Ciri, Geralt and Yennefer's adopted daughter. Well, okay, sort of. (laughs) Because they believe that her offspring uh, would usher in a new era of powerful magic. Oh, also, the Lodge hired the Kingslayer to commit regicide and start the whole ordeal that Geralt is now trying to end in this entire second game. Of course, the man they hired to kill King Demimond, Letho, also kills King Foltest. So now two kings are dead, and Nilfgaard is gaining an upper hand. This directly against what the Lodge is supposed to stand for, right? 
like allegedly, according to their mission statement, <laughs> um, the lodge is essentially destroyed too, as the members are all either killed, taken captive, or riddled with amnesia in the case of Yennefer. Guess who has no idea right now that Triss is a lodge member? Geralt. <laughs> so Triss spends the majority of this game as a damsel in distress, having been captured and... <laughs> and compressed into a small statue like she's turned into a little statue which is weird but suitable magical punishment for the magically allergic sorceress who has lied to Geralt for two games about how Yennefer and her involvement with the Lodge's plans for a Siri blah 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 all that I mean it sounded like it was really painful but I also am not feeling that sorry for her right now the reason I wanted to bring up what she says to Geralt about the elven bathhouse sex scene where she says his memories will give him a new perspective is because she's realizing that her time with him is running out. She believes that Geralt's actual true love is Yennefer, or it might have been had he not forgotten, and slowly stops being a selfish and cowardly person and starts actually helping him. Like I said in the first Witcher episode, she really comes into her own in The Witcher 3, but she starts out and is still currently in this game a rather weak character who will eventually grow a backbone. I kind of, in my head, I can also relate Triss a lot to uh, Liara from Mass Effect, because in the beginning, she seems very, like, impressionable by the people around her, still kind of naive to the world. And then eventually, throughout the different games, she learns her own power, and then you start to respect her a lot more she's my Liara. I like her better in three than I did in one and two. Exactly. Like if we've learned anything, it's like, don't succumb to peer pressure. Just find yourself and be yourself. Agreed. So you don't have to go rescue Triss, but you can near the end of the game. As she was ultimately taken to Lachmuin by the Nilfgaardians. This is where Geralt, should you choose to save Triss, will finally confront her on one of the things that she has kept hidden from him. I traveled half the world to find you. I know it was hard on you. I'll never forget this, you hear? Never. Couldn't you ask your friends from the Lodge for help? How do you know of the Lodge? I just do. Listen, Triss, there's a lot happening in Lochmuin, and it's all happening fast. The fact that I'm here means I'm not helping Yorvith, and I abandoned Saskia. You chose me. In some sense, yes. I fought my way through the Nilfgaardian camp to learn why you lied to me. That's not true. I know about the Lodge. I know the Lodge was behind Demavent's assassination. I know Triss Marigold is a member of the Lodge. It's not like that. Show me the error in my reasoning. That last line there, show me the error in my reasoning, is so... Bitch, tell me where I'm wrong. And <laughs> Dude, seriously, for how calm and collected he usually is, I really liked the way he was talking to her because he still like has this flat affectation, but but somehow you can still feel that he's actually pretty pissed at her right now. Like his gestures are a little bit more wide in the game too. And I really love just how direct he is with, with anyone, but with her especially right here because it's like she to me, is is very immature, which is something that she overcomes quite a lot in the third game, but still to this point, she's very immature. So I like, it's almost like scolding a child where she's like unable to give him an excuse because of how direct he's being, but calm and rational. He's like, I deserve the truth, you know? And I'm, I'm, I think it's a mo like a point for her that she didn't try to make it out. Like, I mean... She kind of does try to make an excuse for herself, but eventually she's like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So let's play the last clip, which is a little bit more of this conversation. Telling you the truth. You have no idea how much I want to believe you, but you've lied once. Why wouldn't you do it again? I never lied to you. I just didn't tell you everything. How is that not lying? I didn't know the truth. I had suspicions, that's all. And once I was finally certain, it was too late. I can prove everything. Now, you'll tell me everything you know. I need to learn the truth. I feel like this is right along the same lines that we were talking about how Garrett has a little bit more of an actual emotional reaction to all this going on. 
And to me, I, I, I like seeing it. And then I, I really can't defend Triss too much in the way that she says it. If I had a suspicion of something that was going on, something that was wrong, I would tell the love of my life about it, regardless if I could prove that it was truthful or not. I I agree. I I just have I had a problem with with that. Like I said, I think it's just a callback to like she's just trying to not take responsibility, I guess, up front. But he's not letting her get away, basically. He's like, no, you did this. Come on now. I love how he words it with her. And I mean, she's not shining in these clips, that's for sure. But she also, she's not really at fault either. She wasn't one of the lodge sorceresses who did want to kill the king. My problem with her is that she's once again lied to Geralt. Like, even though you, oh, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you everything. Like, that is lying okay that is lying because you are knowing something and not telling the person who a you love and b she's not just with him romantically she's on this quest with him to like clear his name and stop a war and like this could have been very helpful information for him to have but instead she hides it because she's probably just worried how it'll make him think about her when in reality, it, it's made him probably more upset with her that he didn't, that she didn't tell him in the first place. This is why you just don't lie to the people you care about. Like, just be honest. <sighs> By the end of this game, no matter what side you chose or what happens in the game, Triss will break up with you if you've been trying to stay with her in between the second game and the third game. She'll believe that Jennifer is Geralt's true love and not want to stand in the way of that now that he remembers Jennifer. I mean, I guess if you have to pick a time to stop being a shitbag, let it be after about a year of deceit and what appears to be great sex, am I right? I mean, I think you guys know what I feel about the romance with Triss. It's not the one. It's not the one for me. Not in this game. I just don't believe that Geralt would have chosen her in this game or the first game if he had his memories. She gets a major character upgrade and romance upgrade in the third game, so all is not lost for Triss. But it's very clear that in this game, she's just fan service, and I am not a fan of her service. I am a fan of her services. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure she can get the job done. But also, I, I mean, I get it. And especially if you don't have as much of the background knowledge, you know, like reading the books or knowing all the things, and if you didn't play Witcher 3 and learn even more of this information, I can see how Triss is a good option. And especially if you're physically attracted to her. Like, I'm not here to stop you from dating the woman you're attracted to. Go for it. That is you and your choice. These are just these two girls' opinions. So, yeah. I don't know. The romance with Triss is fun and nice and okay. Hey, it's just not who I would want to end up with at the end of the day. If anything, I would vote for Shawnee because Shawnee seems like the nicest, most decent human out there. Yes. Geralt needs to stay away from sorceresses. Triss has a, has a few too many lies in her closet and... Yen has way too much emotional baggage to deal with. And Shawnee's just like, yeah, as long as we can go out and I will heal people while you are on your path. Okay, let's go. My thing is just like, for me, Triss is not a romance. She is a very good lay. Like, they clearly have high sexual compatibility. But, like, they don't have a relationship because it's built on lies. So I can't accurately say that they have a good romance in this game. In the third game, if Geralt chooses her, like, if that's how you play the game and he's got all his faculties, he knows the choice he's making, different story. She's also a different person in that game. But in this game, she is literally just using him, essentially, because she loves him and she knows that if he knew exactly where he was and who he was, that he wouldn't pick her which to me is gross and has like, it has red flag behavior to me. And it's just not a romance. And I think that's why I like Shawnee the best, because for me, Geralt's ultimate dream is to just be a normal person. 
he's unfortunately not a normal person. And Shawnee is like the most normal person he could be with. So when he's with her, he gets to kind of vicariously live a normal life. So I like her for him for that. And that, lovely listeners, is where we would normally end our show. But tonight, we have a very special lurker. (laughs) Our guest here tonight is returning to the show from our Witcher 1 conversation. Ben of Tamaria, please join us in. Hello. Hello. I'm sure that you have so much to say right now. One, we apologize for the pronunciation in the first part of it, because that was a hot mess. <laughs> I know these words. I know these words damn well, and still I'm I stumbling. would hope so. <laughs> okay. Now, Ben and I have definitely fought this out and battled at least two or three times before. Over the big Triss versus Yen versus Shawnee debate, we actually have an entire episode on the Witcher Lord cast. Um, that that was a Patreon a, chat. That's a good one. Go listen to that because it's it's hysterical. Okay, but... and you are also a host on several of the shows on the Robots Rocket um, on the Robots Network, and we will get to those a little bit later. But please tell us everything about Witcher. Why Triss? So, okay, I get where Vibrata is coming from with the whole Triss thing in two. I, uh, that, that is one thing. I, I love Triss as a character. I love, like, her story progression from one to two to three. And especially the, the whole big revelation of her character completely changing, specifically in three. I get most people's gripes when with two where, yes, she lied to him the entire time. She knew Yen. She knew him prior to his amnesia, all of that. But the one thing where, yes, those are a lot of faults. But the one thing is she truly does love him regardless of what's going on and also, like, yeah, the whole yin thing with, okay, they're tied to the jinn that bind their destinies together. And obviously, when you go to Witcher 3, and there's a whole quest for it to specifically get rid of the jinn part or whatnot, and you can choose to be with her or not. Um, is that truly the reason why Geralt always drives to yin? Is that why she Jin always goes to him? All that back and forth. But Triss truly her true free will specifically always goes to Geralt right and that that that, is one of her biggest that's one of her biggest pros definitely is the fact that she loves Geralt regardless of anything else that is going on and there's not a unknown mystical tie tying them together like there is with Yen and Geralt because we don't know if Yen and Geralt actually love each other or if the attraction that they have for each other is enhanced because of the fate-binding gen. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's why I always go with Triss. Yeah, she does a lot of wrong things in 2, specifically 2. Um, but she truly loves him for him, and she does it out of her own free will. I also just felt my body my like my brain reacted with the oh fuck uh i love anders and that a lot of people see that as a problem and i like and you also know the dragon age series so i think now we can finally relate on something anders is my triss triss is my anders I, i i get this now he may have lied and be working with sorcerers that are doing some shady shit. But you don't have to kill your significant other. Yeah, Tristan, like, like blow up a, th- a bunch up of people, a and and you know Tristan's had a. Hands are a... not clean. She's definitely committed murder. No, absolutely, yeah. Tristan has committed atrocities. I mean, what? Okay, both Dragon Age and Witcher are dark fantasy. 
period there's no good things that happen in those worlds everybody has blood on their hands regardless it's just who has the most blood gerald (laughs) well gerald yeah obviously he butchered an entire town almost not really but oh yeah Uh, tris isn't possessed so there's also also that (laughs) fun fact i actually just recently uh, i've been binging the da lore cast and i got finally got to the anders episode and almost done with that episode and it's like oh yeah this makes sense anders is great in awakening to be for everyone it's just when to two when they i think when they switched writers and went into two i think it kind of like didn't know where they wanted to take the character and they just kind of threw and and it was also rushed so they were like trying to do things and too fast okay so do you think that there's anything to the tris romance in two that we missed that we should have spent more time talking about well i mean not really i mean tris is in the entire game for the majority of it and i mean all the points you guys made is literally the synopsis it's literally she's in the synopsis of the game so i mean you covered everything to where i what i would have covered if i did a witcher lore cast i'm not on that one (laughs) only once a month (laughs) i have a question um i messed myself up this week when i was doing research because i thought i was watching a witcher 2 video at first and it turned out i was watching a witcher 3 tris and carol video and there was so when they have sex in the lighthouse, is that in the third game or the second yes. game? Third, third game? game. Okay, see that. See, okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure I, that was in the wrong video. That is actually the only sex scene for Tris. Actually, oh. each I think each character only has one, if I recall. Yeah, because there was some there were some really cute moments in that video. So I guess I'm excited to do that episode. <laughs> I think Yin might have two. Well. Okay. Okay, so I mean, I can think there. Yeah, there are. There, I think everybody, each of them gets two because I'm thinking again in the unicorn, and then mm-hmm. later in the game, if you haven't solidified your choice, you can get that second scene where you're like, "Come here, both of you," and then you get the the very fun scene of Carol oh, and they tied both strap them. It's great. Yeah, doesn't that lock you out of romance though? Yes. Yes, if you flirt with both of them and try to get both of them up there. But then I think that if you select one or the other, there is a secondary scene. Okay. And responding to Daddy Bat Knight, uh, yes, the unicorn, the unicorn that is mentioned in the letter that you have from Yin uh, at the very kick of the game. And it's also mentioned multiple times in the books. Yes. They literally have sex on a giant plush unicorn. Like a full-size unicorn, just a giant plush, it's a full-size unicorn. It's so much fun. I, I can't wait. It's I cannot hysterical. wait. I don't think we're doing Witcher 3 until next year, though. Next year, yeah. <laughs> we have this so many other games to cover. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I just want to make sure, because I was like, maybe we did forget a part of the romance in this game. Nope, not not the right game. <laughs> Never mind. I will say that I watched a video of... Witcher 2 sex scenes and it played through all of them with all the dialogue cut and basically it was just a montage of titty but it was still four and a half minutes long and that's a really long time for sex in a video game because we talk about like Mass Effect the actual sex part is really about like what I think we timed it out that it was like 39 seconds on average in Mass Effect 3 that's the longest one it, it was like between 39 and 42 because Liara had extra mm-hmm. naked time. But yeah. Anyways. They were, they were short. Yeah. Uh, I think Dragon Age Origins had some pretty high naked time. But not... Well, like you want to call that naked. <laughs> like 2000. Yeah, it was 2009 graphics with like Victoria's Secret lingerie on these characters, and then you had to have the like, nah, nah, nah. okay, so yeah, Victoria's Secret. Time. I would have called that Walmart. Well, yeah, I mean, it it looked like it was supposed to be sexy, but like plasticky. I don't know. 
which to me is Victoria's Secret because it's like the cheapest shit. If anybody does want that girl in the bathtub statue, it is on Amazon. I sent Jin the link, but uh, yes, I bought it like four years ago. Four, no, even longer than that. It was like five or six years ago from my workplace at the time because it went Claire's for like 20 bucks. It's like, yes. Oh, yeah, but, no, I, yes. I, I loved it. And I want that so bad. Anything else that we really need to talk about about The Witcher and Triss in The Witcher 2? What about some of the other ones? Do you ever romance any of the side characters? So, so fun fact, I never side with Yorvith because I can't stand the guy. So I never side with him, the squirrels, ever. So I, I've only sided with Vernon Roach. Uh, yes, I have... Because romance in any of the side ones does not impact Triss's relationship with the main story whatsoever. Which so you can be a complete playboy in the entire time, and that's great. Uh, yes, I've I've romance facts, which is very it was really cool, and I, I don't think I went to any of the brothels in in the game. Yeah, because um, this is only real ones when you're siding with Vernon, and then I know in Yorvith you saw you have um. The succubus and what's her face? I Model. can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I just, I just never side with him. The brothels are fun for like a <laughs> first time. You go and you, you right. like do them all once or whatever, and figure out, you know, is there anything different between any of them? And I mean, even in Witcher Three, I think the different brothels, you had different options, but the scenes were all pretty much exactly the same. So once you do them. You done it once. You done them all. They, they do. I mean, in all games that you have, like a brothel type, Witcher two, Witcher three, heck, even Dao, mm-hmm. and two, all the and two, they're all the same character models because they're literally meant for ha ha. Uh, it's, it's for shits and giggles. That's all it's for. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that day that night, I do have. Witcher swords. They are LARP swords from Calamasol, since I do cosplay as my own Witcher, Ben of Tamaria. I am looking... Oh, and really cool thing, this is complete side tangent too, the um, professional cosplayer who does Geralt for like all the major conventions, who looks like identical to Geralt from the games, is now... Uh, in collaboration with Callum Mason doing stuff. Oh, cool. And I did not know he was the actor in the Maul fan-made film that like the really good Darth Maul fan, uh, fan-made film that you can find on YouTube. Very nice. We'll have to see if we can link that in the uh, show notes and stuff. Just because promoting fan-made art and fan productions and things like that it's something we should do because that's what this what all of our shows have started off as is just like we are fans of said series and so we're going to create content about it and ben you have a couple of different shows that you have started as a fan of things yes so i have Holocron history star wars canon versus legends where we have a deep dive into star wars lore we go over all the different uh, things between the old legends from pre-Disney to the current canon with is now is owned by Disney. And I do that with my co-host Austin or known as Teacup who I'm he's come on the show. And I also have a show called the Wizarding World Lorecast where we take a deep dive into the world of Harry Potter and the Wizarding World all of itself uh, with that ever expanding. And I actually have a third show coming out now, which is the Final Fantasy lore cast, to where we're taking a deep dive in the entire fan- Final Fantasy series. And it's going to be a huge undertaking, but it's going to be so, so, so much fun. If you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes or on that Spotify feature. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can hear me and Ben duke it out 
at least once a month about different various topics on the Witcher Lorecast. And you can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls, one ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well and on our own two girls, one ship Discord server where we neuter out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty's in the eye of the controller. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful here on the Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.